Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxis. I want to talk to you about one of the great problems in the world. It's the grocery store checkout aisle. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're going down the checkout aisle, right there when you're paying for these groceries, there's all these women's magazines that are staring right in front of you. And there are all these like perfect cover girls that are on these magazines. And they've been photoshopped and airbrushed to the point of perfection. And the guys are like, ooh, what's up in the ceiling? You know, trying not to look and pay for their groceries. And the women, the single women, sort of looking at it like with envy. You know, if I looked like that, I wouldn't be single. And the married women are going, I, I, I used to look a little bit like that. Uh, but, you know, there's this great discontent that is produced by all the covers of these women's magazines at the grocery store checkout aisle. You know, what are we supposed to do? I've got news for you. Ladies, today I'm going to tell you how you can look more attractive than a woman on the cover of one of those magazines. More attractive no matter what your age. It's true. And it's all biblical, right out of Scripture. Now, if you're new, my name is Kurt and I'm one of the pastors. And on both campuses, we are working our way through the book of First Peter. And this morning we come to First Peter uh, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And these three or six verses, they talk about wives and women and beauty and attraction. And we're going to focus this message primarily today on wives and women and ladies and normally I would say, and next week we go to verse 7, and we're going to deal with men and manliness and what it means to be a husband, because that would be the next thing that Peter covers. However, just so you know, next week we start our Advent series, which will take us through the month of December. So we're going to put the message for men on pause. We will get to it. It'll be as soon as we turn the calendar year to January. So guys, don't feel left out. Just want you to know that. It just happens to be the way the calendar falls as we're studying through this book. So this morning we are in the first six verses. Let's go ahead and read those. Take your Bibles out and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, turn to the Pew Bible. You'll find it on page 1015. I'd like to ask everyone to stand out of reverence for God's Word as it is read in His house. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. It says, Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is 
which in God's sight is very precious. And this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. That ends the reading of God's Word, and you may be seated. Now, this text gives us three ancient beauty secrets for modern women. And ladies, I, I guarantee you that if you apply these three beauty secrets to your life, you will be irresistibly attractive to your husband, but most importantly, you'll be incredibly pleasing to God. That is what they say. So let's go ahead and start with the first one. We want to jump in here. It says, a wife that submits and supports her husband is beautiful. A wife that submits and supports her husband is beautiful. We find that in verses 1 and 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And then also in verse 5, he says, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves or beautify themselves. How did they look good? By submitting to their husbands. Now in this section of First Peter, he has been dealing with the idea of how a Christian lives the Christian life in society and community. And how do we follow Jesus? And you remember, he began by talking about how Christians work with the government. That Christians are, as citizens, are submissive to the government and they're supportive of their government. And he is saying this in the context of an extremely corrupt Roman government. It's not a good government. And there's certainly no uh, love for the Christians at this point from the government. But he's saying you submit to the governing authorities anyway. That is the way we live the Christian life. In fact, this is interesting if you want to apply this to our modern situation. In, in Ferguson, Missouri, we have all this issue with uh, the police officer who shot the young black teen. And there's all this uprising and people are throwing, want to throw rocks and break storefront windows. They want to hurt the police. It, is that the way a Christian responds to what they feel is unjust uh, leadership in a government? What do you think? Absolutely not. That is not the way a Christian responds. We still submit and we pray. Last week, we looked at uh, a little tighter. Peter brought it to bosses and employees. And that as Christians, when we're employees, we serve our bosses with our absolute best and our absolute strength. Now, some bosses are good and they're easy to work for. But Peter says we also serve them well, even if they are... Um, cruel and unjust. In fact, the word unjust we learned last week literally means crooked. Even if you have a boss who is crooked, as Christians, we serve them well and we do our absolute best for them. Now, can we look for another job because our boss is crooked? Yes, we probably should look for another job. But until we find another job, how do we serve as employees? We serve them well. 
because we are representing Jesus. Now, Peter continues this focusing, and he goes from the government to bosses and employees, and he goes to husbands and wives. Wives, submit to the leadership of your husbands. And he says that in a marriage relationship, there is an order, there is a relationship, there is leadership that must take place. It is not a 50-50 proposition. Now, I know that when women hear this, most modern women quickly rebel. They said, this is terrible. This is out of date. This is repressive. This is making me feel like I'm some kind of second-class citizen or that I'm less than my husband. Is this what Peter is teaching? That a woman is inferior to her husband or women are inferior to men? No. Peter is teaching that in society, people have given roles to play, and we respect those roles. Remember, citizen, government, roles. Boss, employee, roles. Husband, wife, roles. Different roles, but not less in personhood. And by the way, where does this come from? This comes from the very ordering of God himself. The Bible talks about um, God the Father. It talks about God the Son. That God the Father is fully God. God the Son is fully God. Equal in identity, both deserving worship. But God the Son willingly chooses to submit to the leadership of God the Father. And he follows the leadership of his Father. For instance, we know the Scriptures tell us that God the Father planned creation. But the Scriptures also tell us that God the Son is the one who carried out the fashioning of the entire universe. God the Father planned redemption. But God the Son carried it out. He humbled Himself, taking on the human body and dying on the cross in our place for our sins and rising from the grave. And you can see this ordering takes place with a husband and wife and God the Father and God the Son. They're different roles. We find it in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Now, not different in, in personhood, but different in roles. Now, this gets to the next question. Where did the idea of a wife's submission to the leadership of her husband originate anyway? Now, you may think that this is something that just purely comes from uh, outside of the church. It comes from modern society. And that's a good place you find it, that a husband and wife take on a 50-50 proposition. But even inside of the church, there is this sort of a strain of Christianity that's called egalitarianism. And that they do is they believe that the roles of a husband and wife have been taken away because Jesus Christ has died for our sins and no longer do a husband and wife need to be in a role relationship where a wife submits to her husband. Uh, this is interesting. Now, 
for instance, I'm going to show you one of the verses that the egalitarians love to use. And I was reading some of the material this week in preparation for this. Galatians 3.28, they say, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And they say, you see, therefore, roles are taken away. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Jesus. couple problems. Like, what do you do with First Peter, the passage we just read? Are, is a role of a wife being a submissive and supportive helpmate of her husband, is that a product of the fall? Something that sin brought about? Actually not. We go to Genesis chapter 2, which is actually... Um, before sin enters into the world. And what do we find? Then the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone, so I will make him a helper fit for him. I will make a helper to submit to him and support him, not to replace him. A wife was created as a helpmate before sin entered the world. But what do we find once sin does enter the world? Genesis chapter 3 says this, And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pains in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. The Hebrew literally there says, Your desire shall be for your husband's position in the family rather than wanting to be a helpmate to submit to his leadership and support his leadership, you will want to replace his leadership and challenge him for leadership. That is what sin does to a, to a wife in a marital role. Sin uh, helps her want to insult him, demean him, rebel against him. But folks... A wife as a helpmate, a wife as a submissive to her husband's leadership and supportive helper, it's not a product of sin. It is the role that a wife was created to fulfill. Submission of a wife to a husband is not man's idea. It did not originate in a man's head. It came from God's head. Understand that. It also does not say in the Bible... Men, make your wives submit to your leadership. And, man, and husbands, if that's what you're doing, forcing your wives to submit to your leadership, you're wrong. Because a wife should desire to submit and support the leadership of her husband because it is the role that God has given her. And if she disagrees with it, take it up with God. I mean, I, I'm not making this up. I'm just reading the mail. I'm not writing it. That's what the scriptures say. Now, incidentally, it says, wives submit to your own husbands. Like, you don't submit to somebody else's husband. What you find out there is that sometimes there are some men who are very gifted leaders and a, maybe a wife in the workplace ends up working with one of those men and she sort of starts to begin to submit to that man's leadership as if he were her husband. No, you don't go there. 
You guard that place. The only man that you are told that you must submit support and help is your husband, not other men out there. Very important. Let's answer another question. How do we answer someone who claims Galatians 3.28 takes away marital roles? Well, real simple. Galatians 3.28 is telling us this. When it comes to our relationship with God, there is no priest between us and Jesus. That's all it's saying. You know, wives do not have to go through their husbands to relate to Jesus. Husbands and wives go individually to, to God through Jesus, and we go together to God through Jesus. But when it comes to earth and how we relate to one another, there are roles, and we function in those. Government, citizen, boss, employee, husband, wife. That's the way it works. In fact, Peter comes along and he uh, just explains this a little further in verse 7. Likewise, husbands live for their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. She's also knowing God through Jesus, just like you. That's what Peter is saying. Now let's go ahead and explain this a little bit. What does a submission of a wife to her husband not mean? Because there's a lot of times this is misunderstood. Here we are on the top of page two. Her husband is over Christ. Submission does not mean... Um, does not mean her husband is over Christ. I'm sorry, I was reading my own writing wrong. In other words, if your husband says, hey, let's go out drinking tonight, and let's go out and get drunk tonight, let's go out and I want you to lie, I want you to speed, I want you to not tell the truth. And I thought, oh, this really great movie that I got on Netflix, uh, it's this R-rated movie, and it's got a bunch of stuff in it, and you're like, hey, I don't think that's what God would have us do. You do not have to submit to him in that, and you should not submit to him, because Christ is leader of over your husband, but right under Christ is your husband, and you submit to him next. A wife's submission does not mean she can't think for herself. Uh, you know, a submissive wife, the poster child of that is not a, would you call it, a dumb blonde. That's not what it is. In fact, a wife is to be intelligent. She's to be thoughtful. She is to be creative about how she can influence and steer her husband further to love Jesus. That's called wisdom. She is supposed to still think for herself. A submissive wife does not mean a wife is to be weak or passive in leadership. That's an often misunderstood. And the best way I think I can illustrate this is simply turn to Proverbs 31. And we're not going to do that right now, but I encourage you to do that on your own. Proverbs 31 talks about a godly wife, and it sort of gives a descriptions of what she looks like. And there's a lot of things here that would really uh, sort of challenge what many of us think. For instance, she is intelligent. She is a good leader. She is... Uh, working hard with her hands. She is gardening in that chapter. She is cooking. She has a side business with her hands. It says she dresses herself with strength. I mean, this lady goes to the gym and she works out. Um, she gives to the poor. This lady makes meals and delivers meals, and she gives money to the poor. 
she sells and makes clothes. So she's got a side business, like, you know, sort of like a Mary Kay deal where she's, you know, making a little extra income for her family. And it says she fashions her bedroom to be beautiful. I mean, this lady really is a creative lover for her husband, and she has a really nice bedroom for her marriage. This is what a good, submissive, godly wife looks like. Now, let me give you some other uh, sides here. What does a wife's submission mean? We know what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean she's weak. doesn't mean she's passive. doesn't mean she can't think. So what does it look like? It means she uses her gifts and strengths for her husband's benefit. That's what it means. Wives, God has given you great gifts, talents, ideas, creativity, strengths. He's made you different than your husband for a reason. And guess what? Wise husbands are like, I really need my wife because I was made very incomplete and what I need is you because it's together that we function so much better than either of us could ever function individually. We're created like two puzzle pieces that it only works really well when we come together. We're incomplete on our own. Now, some of you guys know the way this works in, in our house. For instance, I have absolutely no sense of fashion. And some of you are going like this. Because you know that if it's up to me, I'm always wearing the same thing. Jeans and a black t-shirt. Right, Carl? That's right. See? See, there you go. Amen, Carl, everyone there. But, but my wife's like, you know, you can't wear that all the time. In fact, this is no joke. Like every Sunday morning, I have to get the clothes out and hold them up for her to, to like, you know, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down before I walk out of the house in the morning. Even this morning, I said, honey, does this T-shirt go under this? And she goes, no. And so I didn't wear that T-shirt under the shirt because I have no fashion sense whatsoever. I desperately need her. And this summer when she was gone, one of the other things you guys learned is I'm a terrible cook. You know, when she wasn't there, I mean, it had gone you know, like a couple months longer, my children would have fit on one of those posters that has those malnourished children on it. I mean, because that's just, I just, I have like three dishes I make and they're all real basic. And the kids are so thankful that mom came home because she can cook and dad can't. And so we definitely need her gifts in our family for us to function well. What this essentially means is that a submissive wife is to use her gifts, her talents, and her skills to be a helpmate for her husband. And so they together succeed as a family. So wives, the way culture likes to push us is you need to go out and find your identity in business apart from your husband and apart from your family. You need to go find a life apart from your husband and apart from your family. And you want to have this separate thing over here. And that's just not biblical. You find your identity in being the helpmate of your husband. And we'll see when we get back to this, the husband finds a great deal of joy and identity by being the loving leader who joyfully sacrifices himself for his wife. And 
when it functions that, that way, it functions so much better. Practically, what does this mean? This means wives, pray for your husbands. Pray for them every day. This means support your husbands. Call your husbands. Just constantly be his friend and encourager. Another thing this means. What does it mean? It means she uh, bends her will to his when they don't agree. Now, if you're going to be a wife, and if you are a wife, you have to decide in your mind ahead of time that on those times when a husband and wife will not be able to come to agreement, you have to know in your head ahead of time that you will bend your will. And when you bend your will, you want consistently pick at him and rebel at him and nick at him after you've bent your will. Because you know how that goes? You can bend it, but then you won't let him forget it. Uh, that's, that's rebellion. Now, ideally, this should happen only a, a small number of times. I'll give you an example for Cindy and I when this happened. We were engaged to be married, and my car, you know, older car, had some issues and needed some car parts, needed to get repaired. And Cindy, by the way, worked for years at an auto parts store. She was the lady behind the counter. It's a small family-run business. They loved her. I mean, who can't love her? She's great. At least I'm biased. But anyway, so they said, anytime you need car parts, just come in and we'll give them to you at cost. And we needed a bunch of parts. So she said, I'm going to go into the car parts store. I'm going to get them at cost. We're going to save all kinds of money. And here's the problem. Her old boyfriend still worked there. And if she went in on Saturday to pick the car parts up, guess who most likely was going to be getting my car parts for her? Her old boyfriend. And I'm like, honey, don't go there and get the car parts. And she's like, but you know how much money we can save? And I'm like, but he's going to be there. And she's like, oh, honey, trust me, there is nothing between us. That was years ago. And I'm like, I'm a man. I know how men work. I would trust this guy as far as I could throw him. You've told me about him. I don't want you like even seeing this guy remotely. And so like, we had this little issue going back and forth. And I'm like, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, this is the way it's... In those times when you disagree, we ask to submit. And she submitted to my leadership in that. And yes, we paid more money for the car parts, but you know what? I think it was the right thing to do to protect our relationship. So that's part of what submission means. Now, how about this question? What if my husband doesn't deserve my submission? Because I know there's a lot of wives who say that. You know, because my husband's lazy. I mean, I wake up in the morning and there's beer bottles in the nightstand. All he does is watch ESPN. He doesn't even do the lawn. I have to mow it myself. He's lazy, doesn't discipline the kids. I mean, you expect me to be a helpmate for him and to try and submit to his leadership? He doesn't have the, he doesn't earn the right to have me submit to that leadership. Well, here's a thought I have for you. A husband doesn't need to earn the right to have you submit. And actually, a husband can't lose the right to have you submit. Because a wife submits to her husband not because he's earned it, but because it is the God-given role that she is to play.
Now, may that be hard. And may he be a bad leader as a husband at times. Yes. But you submit to his leadership anyway, because the one who is, it is a role that God has given you to play. Not a right that you can either earn or lose. Very important to understand. Now, this is why you submit to this role, even when uh, your husband is not necessarily a good leader. Here's why. A wife's submission is a position of power, not of weakness. A submissive and helpful wife is an extremely powerful woman. We find this here. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. God has created husbands and wives to function in respective roles. And when a wife functions in her role as a um, helpmate and who submits to her husband's leadership, and when the husband functions in his role as a leader who sacrifices for his wife, things go really well in a marriage. And there's a lot of parallel between um, the way a husband and wife are made biologically and the way a husband and wife are created to function in their roles. A husband and wife are created biologically to complement one another. And biologically, they have the capability of bringing great joy to one another because that is the way God has fashioned their biology. And when a husband and wife assume their God-given roles, they also complement one another. And they bring great joy to one another as they function in those roles. And when they choose to not function in those roles, and when a wife says, I'm not going to be your helpmate, I'm not going to... support you, and I'm going to rebel against you, what happens is it like creates a lot of friction and tension. It does not work whatsoever. Now, here's what I want you to understand, ladies. You're like a puzzle piece, and your husband is like a puzzle piece. And the puzzle piece in your husband has a gap that he is desperate to have filled. And he wants to have that peace feel. And that peace is that of you being a helpmate that submits and supports his leadership. And when you fit into that peace in him, your husband finds you extremely attractive. And he is very interested in listening to you and learning from you and pleasing you. In fact, the word here for see where he says, when he sees your respectful and pure conduct, the word for see is interesting here. It means to be captivated by and not be able to take your eyes off of. So when a husband sees his wife submitting and he sees her respectful and pure conduct of him, he can't take his eyes off of her because she is extremely attractive and beautiful to him because that is what he has created to find attractive and beautiful. It's very interesting. So wives, you fill this role and you change your husband's life. Like for instance, and he says here a couple things. Um, that they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives. 
In other words, wives, preach wordless sermons. Because what is the best thing you like to do? You need, I'm going to be your helper, and I'm going to submit, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to talk to you about it all day long. And what does you sound like to your husband, the teacher on the peanuts? He doesn't hear a thing, does he? Because actions speak louder than words to him. And then what does it look like? Keep your conduct respectful. That means you always speak well of him. You always honor him with your words. Not just when you're out in public with other people, but when you're at home between the two of you. You don't disrespect him and you honor him in your language. And your husband finds that incredibly attractive because he knows that when he's home with you, you respect him and you love him and you submit. Another one, keep your conduct pure. That means modest. In other words, when you are around other men, you have a very clear guard that other men don't begin to get to that position in your heart where you start to draw close to them. And if they begin to get there, you cut them out of your life right away. It means you watch what you look at on the internet. It means you watch what romance books you read because you're not going to have mental fantasies with other relationships. You're going to invest yourself in your husband's relationship. Your husband notices that, your purity and solidarity to him, and he finds that extremely attractive. So the point is this. A wife's submission to her husband is a very powerful position. He finds it attractive. And she, it is a very influential position. It's not a position of weakness. It's a position of power. And it's a position of beauty that her husband is attracted to. That's number one. A woman that submits and supports her husband is beautiful. Number two, a woman that cares for her spirit, not just her body, is beautiful. This is a real fun section here in verses 3 through 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the wearing or, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. These verses have been often misunderstood by women. Oh, look at this. Don't let your adorning be external. This is great. No makeup. No bath. No shave November is not just for men anymore. You know, I'm just following Scripture, dear. I I read it there. Don't let your adorning be external. You know, I'm going to look like a Wookiee. Really? Now, is this what Peter is getting after? Like, you know, Christian women should look like as ugly as they can. Mm, I don't think so. Here's the question. Is it wrong for a woman to tend to her physical beauty? Well, it gets interesting. If you were to read this verse very literally in the Greek, it says, don't braid your hair, don't wear gold jewelry, and don't wear clothes. So if you're going to take the first part of it literally, you've got to take the last part of it literally. And something tells me that Peter wants Christian women to wear clothes. Right? 
So what he's talking about here is actually a matter of emphasis. Not like a do one and don't do the other. You see, women have a tendency to spend a lot of time and a lot of money on their looks and adorning themselves. In fact, the word adorning here is the Greek word cosmos, which is where we get our English word cosmetics. He's like, you know, Christian women, don't go off the deep end in the cosmetics. Really? That's not what we're trying to do. Now, what he's doing is he's tying into some very interesting stuff in the Roman culture at this time. The Roman women at this time were known for their looks. They put an inordinate amount of time into their looks. And Jeremy, you got any of those pictures for me? This is one of them. Now, hold that one for a second. This is a Roman woman. Remember, this is pre-electric curling iron. How much time do you think this woman put into this like, like thing on the front? I have another picture, but it's not clear, so I didn't show it to you. When you look at her from the front, it's like a full headdress. I'm like, you know how many hours this woman took to get her hair ready? Let me give you another one. Next one, Jeremy. This lady's got the rat tail thing going, you know. It was hey, nothing new under the sun. You know that. And, but she put a lot of time into her hair. Go ahead, Jeremy, hop off that. But uh, the Roman women put all kinds of time and energy into their looks and their hair. And Peter's like, be careful about how much you put into that. Now, should we look as ugly as we can for our spouse? No. That goes back to our Song of Solomon series. We did that a couple years ago in 2012, that uh, husband is to look his best in his body and is to be a gift to his wife. And a wife is to look her best and her body is to be her gift to her husband. Yeah, but you don't go off the deep end with your adorning on the outside. Now, this raises another question that I've often heard. Well, should Christian women wear makeup? We've heard that one before. Well, here's my answer for that. If the, bar, if the barn needs painting... You paint it. And that's all I can say. Well, that brings another question up, because I've heard ladies say this. Well, then how much makeup should a Christian woman wear? And I have another answer for that. Some barns are so ugly, they take two coats. You know, but the point is this, folks. You know, you don't go off the deep end in your external adorning. You want to focus on your internal adorning because that is what really matters. You see, the, if you study the philosophers of this day, it's very interesting. The Stoic philosophers and some of the other philosophical groups made points about the beauty of the women in this time. They were extremely beautiful on the outside, but once the men got to know them, they were selfish, they were stuck up, they were rude as people. And so the guys were like, great to meet for about the first five minutes. And after that, I can't wait to leave her. And Peter picks up here and he's like, you know, Christian women, you have the ability to be the kind of woman that every man desires because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can change the inside of your life.
and give you inner beauty, not just outer beauty. The Holy Spirit, let me look at some of this stuff on page three here. What does inner beauty look like? A gentle spirit, he says. That means literally mild. It means just, it means comfortable. It means that you have the ability to be the kind of person who's gentle and easy to talk to and comfortable to be with because the Holy Spirit produces that gentleness in your life. Where, the, you know, Many other women, they get loud, they get ignorant, they yell, they scream, they get emotional, they get carried away. But godly women, they have the Holy Spirit making them calm and smooth and gentle and even-tempered. So you see a great contrast between the women of the culture and the Christian women. And by the way, men, I want to just do a quick survey. What do you find more attractive? A uh, wife who is calm and gentle and even-tempered or one who is loud, obnoxious, and yelling? Okay, put your hands up if it's calm and gentle. Okay, the rest of you are all, like, fearful, right? Because every man says, yes, I love when my wife is calm and gentle, and I don't care how beautiful she is when she's irate and going off the deep end. She's not attractive at all, right? But the Holy Spirit can change that. And the Holy Spirit also produces a quiet spirit inside of a woman. And not yelling, not, not agitated, but just peaceful. The Holy Spirit produces these things. Now, Cindy wanted me to make sure I added this phrase because it's really important. You know, outer beauty fades with time, but this inner beauty, it gets better over time. Doesn't it? In fact, outer beauty starts really nice when you're young, and then it just goes away. Inner beauty... It develops as you get older, like wine, you know? And we've noticed this, by the way. I'm, um, as we're getting closer to 50, there's this thing we found called gravity. And it's having an effect on our body. And you're like, I'm sitting there brushing my teeth on one sink, and she's in the sink next to me, and I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and I'm like, I know, it's not what I was when I was 20. It's all moving south, you know? But hopefully, now at 47 and 49... You know, our inner character qualities are that much more attractive and that much more gentle and complementary to one another. That's the goal. Another point, inner beauty is precious in God's sight. As we start our Advent series, we're going to get into, uh, one of the things we're going to study is Mary. Mary's interesting. Why do you think God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus? We don't know exactly, but I'll tell you one thing. I'll bet you it's because she was, had incredible inner beauty. See, if she wore a miniskirt and walked around the mall, all the men would notice her. But God could see her heart. And God says, I want you to be the mother of the Lord. God notices inner beauty. Inner beauty is precious. Now, I'm running out of time because I have five minutes left. So I'm not going to get to point three. I'm just going to tell you what it is. A wife filled with trust in God instead of fear of the future is beautiful. Trust, not fear, is beautiful. I'd like to ask my wife to come up because I have some questions. I was going to, you know, I figured if I'm going to talk about women and beauty and wives, it'd probably be good to have the expert.
So this is my wife. All right, hon, here's the questions for you. You know, what has 20 years of marriage taught you about the power of submission? What do you think? Well, when we uh, were first married, I was only a Christian for about three years, and so I had a bit to learn yet. Um, Submission was a little bit new to me. My mother modeled it a little bit. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home. So as time went on, I read my Bible more and more over the years, and I realized what God's Word said about submission. And I just realized um, just our marriage functioned much better um, when I submitted, and it's honoring to God, it's honoring my husband, and um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I get nervous up in front of people, sorry. <laughs> but no, I learned much over the years. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. If you have something well, to add, well, to that, I was going to say. Going. I know one of the things. One of the things we sometimes talk about is um, when mom ain't happy, nobody happy. And one of the things Cindy does really good about getting her stress out when she gets some exercise, and she always goes, "I'm too busy to go to the gym. I'm too busy to go exercise, go walk on the treadmill." And so I'm like, "You have to go with me." And she's like, "But I can't go." I'm like, "You have to go with me." And so she goes, "Oh, I have to submit." And so she goes. <laughs> And usually that helps, doesn't it? It does. And so she's, one of the things we talked about, she says, sometimes I feel like, you know, you're trying to control me, but I realized after years that you're really trying to love me. And when, if you say something, it's saying out of love, not because you're trying to control me or force me to do things. And I know that's one of the things that we've had to talk about a lot um, because sometimes I know that we have the deal where she'll get real busy in a task. I'm like, oh, yeah, but don't forget about this. And so it's, it's all good. There's another question for you. How important is a kind spirit, do you think, for beauty? Oh, it means a lot. Um, I just find um, a kind and gentle spirit is so important. Um, as we mentioned, um, outer beauty fades. Uh, inner beauty is forever. Inner beauty is honoring to your husband. It's honoring to God. Um, it produces harmony in the marriage and the family. I find Proverbs says a lot about the nagging and complaining wife. I mean, that just sets the tone in the home. If a wife is unhappy, nagging and complaining, it's not a good um, environment in the home. But um, a quiet and gentle spirit is helpful to the husband. It's helpful to the family. And um, there's just harmony in the family and the marriage. Well, I know that she... I know it's really powerful is when Cindy is really positive. It, it just it makes a, a big difference in our family, especially when I'm down. She's a great help to me. So thank you, honey, for coming up and taking for a few minutes. Now, ladies, I just want to speak to you as we close. This week when you go to the grocery store and you go down the checkout aisle and you see those magazines with those skintily clad women that sometimes make you feel like, I wish I could look like that. I could be attractive like that. I want you to know that you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to be more attractive than anything they could ever offer. Because chances are they're like the ancient women of old, where they're beautiful on the outside, but ugly on the inside. And the Holy Spirit, through submission and supporting your husband, and through inner beauty, not just outer beauty, can create you into an incredibly attractive man, attractive woman (laughs) for your husband. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And even though this whole idea of a wife being submissive and a a helper and inner beauty instead of outer beauty is, even though it's sort of 
contrary to our culture, we know that your word is truth. And we thank you for your word telling us the truth. We thank you for these ancient beauty secrets that make a woman not just attractive to her husband, but very attractive to you, Jesus, and very pleasing to our God. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.